Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Comics. I'm Todd A. And I'm Taylor Trask. Good evening, Taylor, even though we will put this out in the morning. It is not uh, morning time. It is not. Uh, we, uh, full disclosure, you were in my hometown this past weekend when we would normally record uh, for a little bit of a, a uh, I'll just call it a, a, a refined adult bachelor's weekend. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't yes, want to, I don't want to give the uh, the uh, the impression that it was a, a hangover kind of situation. It was exactly only the most expensive prostitutes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, escorts. we're recording this on escorts. A, escorts. That's right. That's right. Um, they are professionals. Just, so we should do, recognize them as such. Do people do those kind of bachelor parties anymore. I, we I, get, God, I, I mean, sure. they must. Right? There's like a whole yeah. There's a whole culture of of bros that still bro down. Oh. And it um, seems like it seems like Las Vegas has been basically taken over for male bachelor parties. Nashville, where you're originally from and where I've spent a lot of time, is now the female bachelor party or bachelorette party capital of the world. Yes. And uh, yeah. Yeah, we did discuss the movie Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks, which I recently watched. <laughs> we did. That's right. Um, yeah. So it is not morning time. Are you drinking a coffee? I am. I actually, it, funny enough, over the weekend, I ran out of all beans. So I had to go down to the store and buy some today. And today, like in weeks past, I am drinking another uh, round of beans from my good friends at Switchback Coffee here in Colorado Springs. And it is the Institute Blend from Switchback, which is named after the street, Institute Institute Street, uh, on which Switchback is based. Their roastery and their cafe are right there. And it is... It is their cheapest bag of beans, but it's also their most versatile. There's, um, you know, a lot of good flavor notes. It works equally well in a espresso, uh, sorry, in a French press as it does in an Aero press. That is what I asked them. I said, "Give me the one that's the most versatile. I just want to make, you know, whatever I can. Good medium body. Uh, so far, the tastiest one from them I've I've acquired. Oh. Really, really like this one. Uh, we should. What was the coffee we were drinking this weekend at your uh, house? What did we drink? Do you remember? Uh, it's the golden it's like golden mm. era <laughs> well i'll tell you we did go to uh shout out to sonder coffee which was delicious yes um and uh i also had a dasbog coffee while i was mm-hmm. there and i didn't have a coffee at the wild goose but uh but you did yeah sonder uh, it's funny I, I have a sonder hydro flask mug that i take into other coffee shops and it's the only mug where i can go into another rival coffee shop and they're like oh saunder they're so cool like it seems to be like the yeah. one coffee brand that like other coffee shops and baristas are like yeah i support that they don't give you like a weird a weird nice. look like you know if you bring a <clears throat> how dare, mug how dare you yeah well <laughs> um i uh did not have any coffee in my house when i got back and went out and got some uh keon or keen um uh, beans today um mm. i got the kenyan blend but i'm not drinking it now because if i have coffee after like 2 p.m. I'm I'm a wreck at night, so I'm oh, drinking a, a Reed's extra ginger brew, um, a ginger beer. So, got it. As in ginger beer, for those of you who aren't familiar, is a long time honored tradition, stretching mm-hmm. all the way back to the original incarnation of the Todd and Taylor Show. And yeah. uh, Todd is a, a connoisseur. Episode number beer. eleven, I think. Actually, That's I'm making right. that up. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there. Go back to the go back in the back catalog. You'll find it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Anyway, oh holy shit! It was episode eleven. <laughs> good, good memory. Um, I just, I, I, I've been digging through the uh, the archives recently um, for various uh, uh, projects that we're working on. So we, uh, speaking of projects, this was a special project. This episode, 
Um, we are talking about uh, one of our favorite books in recent month and possibly our favorite superhero book in the past six months. Uh, would you say so? Or- I would say, and I would say yes. And I would add on to that. Uh, currently my favorite Batman story period. And that is, Oh, I was waiting for you to say it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, or it's Batman com- or colon the white knight. Which, Batman uh, white knight. Yeah. Yeah, it came out and published by DC, of course. It just concluded. Uh, it was eight issues in the run. I'm sure the trade paperback is coming. Um, I actually I bought it all on Comicsology slash Amazon, so I am waiting for the hardcover um, really? trade to come out because I really want I really want to own the the physical piece of it, especially when we start talking about the art. Uh, I'm gonna gush about this book, but yeah, it's it's been so, one you and I have been talking about for God several yes. months now waiting to like jump in and it, it finally concluded. So I think it's a good time to, to jump in. Yeah. I told you a couple weeks ago, um, uh, I had gone to an Avengers infinity, uh, barbecue, uh, barbecue get together. And I think I ended up, Oh no, no, it was a WonderCon. I ended up gushing to a friend about white Knight, And then I realized, Oh man, <laughs> when I saw him like three months ago, I had also gushed to him about white Knight. <laughs> so, uh, I've just been talking about this nonstop to anyone. Um, so it's good that it's wrapped up and we can kind of, um, you know, put a pin in it. We talked about, uh, with, I, I have two, obviously we've been reading these single issues. Um, so we had talked about maybe covering it a few episodes ago and then it was like, no, 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 we got to wait till it's wrapped up. Yeah. It is interesting for me to hear that you are reading it or we're, we're reading it all on comiXology and stuff. Um, I haven't gotten into that as much on single issues. So oh, interesting. I had missed, you told me to like sort of the second month of its run had told mm-hmm. me I, I had to pick it up. Um, and it was so sort of simultaneous to me reading something cool about it. So I went out and issue two was out. I could not find a reprint of issue one. So I ended up buying that on comiXology. But mm-hmm. since then I've had the single floppy issues like in paper. Oh. So that's yeah. so interesting because I and we'll get into this more in just a second. But this book and and for those of you listening, it was written and drawn by Sean Murphy. Uh, yep. So one of the, you know, we tend to like it's we don't have it's not exclusive, but we tend to like the books that were written and drawn by the same person. Um, well, it's a definitely lot an because, interesting perspective, you know. Yeah, and you really get that cohesion. It's it's like when a movie is written and directed by the same person. You really get a sense of the full vision of what they were trying to achieve. And I know some of the best writers can't draw for squat or you know don't want to draw. So it's like you know, the Grant Morrison's of the world. They draw a little bit, but they're not. You know, they they hand that off to better people. So it's not like you know we're exclusively in the bag for yeah. artists. Artist draw uh, illustrators, I should or writer illustrators, I should say. And I would say vice versa. There are some uh, artist illustrators uh, we won't mention any names that we we may both like, and uh, I, I don't find their writing as sharp as their yeah their art. You know, so um, I and definitely in the last issue, which I, we won't uh, discuss right now, but I was definitely in that. It struck me as there were so many like cinematic moments. Mm-hmm. Um, where there was a big action scene and then sort of little panels around it and. I, I, you know, found myself thinking like, oh man, that's a cool choice that the artist did right there for that angle. And then I'm like, oh no, that was the writer. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, and take this back to the the format. Like I liked, because, you know, Comixology slash Amazon view lets you look at everything panel by panel for the most part. Every once in a while, something will incorporate other panels. But this was such a cinematically drawn book that I felt like I was at no, at no time did I feel like I wasn't watching this like as a TV show. 
Like I could hear the soundtrack in my head. I could hear the dialogue delivered by voice. Act. Like this felt like either the best animated movie or the storyboards or the best movie that we haven't ever gotten for Batman yet. That's really, I didn't even think about that because, um, to uh, prep a little bit for tonight, I was going through issue one on comiXology and yeah, it's such a smooth, like you just feel it like flipping from panel to panel is really like going through a storyboard or, or watching, you know, kind of a stop motion television show or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find in that last issue and, and certainly throughout the series, although I can't uh, pick any moments out of there um, off the top of my head where there's a full page sort of action happening and the single panels are placed over that action. Mm-hmm. And so if, uh, if your uh, guided view is not showing you that full page layout, you're missing a little bit of this like great design that they've also got going, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll start out with the, um, w- what we wanted to clarify first was just sort of the, the, the overall pitch of the story from Sean Murphy was he pitched a role reversal. Uh, Joker is going to be the good guy in the story and Batman is going to be the bad guy. Um, so that's kind of what we wanted to state at the outset. And we will uh, get into the plot as we go forward. Um, and we've already started, started talking a little bit about that art, but uh, do you have any other feelings on it? Any other thoughts? Oh my God. So first and foremost, I mean, the story is amazing, but the art really sold me. Um, I agree. If, if you've listened to past episodes, I get pretty finicky with, art a lot of times like there are books that i recognize as groundbreaking and and truly a, you know achievements in the industry but i just don't like them because of the art i mean i recognize i appreciate them but i just don't they're not my cup of tea this was not that this from panel one i was just on board and and it was a lot of different things like i've read a lot of batman books that you know, some of them are drawn really well, like uh, Killing Joke uh, is very stylized, uh, Dark Knight Returns, very stylized. This follows in that tradition, but this is the first time I've ever read a Batman story where I b- believed in and loved every part of Gotham portrayed in it. Mm, so, yeah. like, you know, it's 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 uh, pencil line art, um, and you that's very very obvious as you go through it. So, I it, strangely, I know I know DC's been doing kind of a run of. Um, black and white versions of, of classic stories. And some of them work really well. And some of them are just money grabs. I would love to see what this looks like in that same format. Cause I would imagine the pencil drawings are just as gorgeous as the, as the colorization, but the colorist is Matt Hollingsworth and he does a great job. Like he, the, the, everything about it, the way it's drawn, the way it's laid out, the attention to detail. And then uh, Hollingsworth is uh, Matt's Hollingsworth's. I can't say Hollingsworth's uh, his uh, uh, color palette is kind of that it's it's full of grays and browns and muted tones so it really gives gotham that sort of dingy um you know 1940s kind of you know, gothic feel but it still has a lot of contemporary elements to it but it's it's i think the first time since maybe god that the tim burton the very first tim burton batman movie have i seen gotham rendered in a way that i really i thought was completely appropriate um, yeah. even things like like you're in commissioner gordon's office and it will be just kind of like a throwaway shot or two. And he will draw like the desk with like really cool, like, you know, uh, antique or, uh, ornament or, or nation, you know, uh, ornaments around it, or just the way it's kind of accented. And like, there's a coat rack that has, you know, that's a turn. That's a, a, a timeline specific coat rack and just everything that kind of comes together really just makes this world feel vibrant and lived in. And you feel like, Oh, this is, this is the Gotham I've always wanted to see portrayed. It's not Chicago. 
you know, via the Nolan movies. It's not, you know, the crazy cartoony, you know, uh, Joel Schumacher or even Adam <laughs> West TV show. You know, it's, this is like, it's gritty, it's dirty. You can, it feels a little dangerous, but it also feels really, you know, cool and antique and just I, all of it. Yeah. It's a place I would want to visit. Yeah. It had character. It wasn't, um, yeah, even though that, you know, that palette had a lot of those grays and dark blues and stuff. Uh, it wasn't like a super gloomy version of, of Gotham, which we're used to seeing. And it wasn't all rooftops. Also. Yeah. That's a great um, point. So there were, I mean, you know, there was a, it, it opens the first issue opens with this uh, car chase where Batman is being especially careless in how he's chasing the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see like all these different parts of Gotham through that chase. And it's, you know, it's really neat. Like he, you know, he drives on the roof of some houses and rips off their shingles and stuff. And, you know, and it's, it's like not, you know, it's not those, uh, those big, dark, tall buildings that we're used to seeing. Yeah. And, and I uh, really want to note too, that the art plays or pays very special attention to light and shadow. Yeah. Um, both on buildings and just the you know the aesthetic of the world, but also on characters. And re- that, again, that's another reason I really want to see this sort of in just black and white um, to see how well that translates from the original drawings because it's really freaking well done. And it's a uh, light and shadow is almost a character onto itself. Gotham's a character onto itself, um, but just the entire aesthetic. And this translates over into things like Batman's costume. Um, this is the first time, and maybe just because I haven't read as many Batman stories as you, or, or maybe like the, the, the big DC fans out there, but it's the first time I've ever seen the Batman costume rendered this way. Yeah. You know, it's got a high collar. It's got sort of like the, the, the cowl has got the short ears. It's more of like a, you know, like a rugby helmet more than anything. <laughs> um, the, the cape's got the high cowl. It's the cape also has like the, the really kind of cut up back. Um, so it's not just like a straight, you know, Superman, you know, bottom of the cape, it's very stylized. Everything, you know, his utility belt's very sort of urban commando. The entire Batman costume is one that I can really believe a vigilante detective, you know, kind of masked person would wear. I mean, it, it looks like something he would wear for this purpose. Yeah, it's I, not ridiculous. <laughs> I really like that collar. It looks, it, it's it's very much like a, a parallel to Commissioner Gordon in the trench coat all the time. Yeah. Like it just looks like he's got the collar flipped up and then the cape always sort of covers his shoulders. Yeah. So it looks more like a, uh, like a, a coat. cloak or a coat. It yeah. reminds me of a, like if you've watched the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, it's exactly, it, it's uh-huh. that same look and feel like Sherlock already has, always has the, you know, the high collar and just, he kind of uses the coat to conceal, you know, to kind of protect himself from the the outside world that he that he goes through. But yeah, it's just I've this is the first Batman costume that I'm completely on board with, and really want to see depicted in a movie. Like everything in this book, I want to see. I want to see yeah. visually, you know, like in in real the real world. I think they could easily do it. Um, it's, a, it's a thing we've talked about before, where it's like you just like here here it is. Here's your Batman movie. Stop yeah. thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some dumb way to tie it into some supernatural enemy. Here it is. This is a classic Batman Joker story uh, that's already laid out, storyboarded for you. And it's not too like it's not. You know how some of the Batman stories have like really glossy, like the, the way Batman looks is almost. Yeah. It's almost. <sighs> I, I, I think like, anytime you put him in the Justice League, it, it's sort of a different Batman. True. Yeah. And and here it was really cool to see. Uh, actually it felt like the bat family was more characterized than, than Batman. I think, I think Bruce has some really good moments early in the series, Mm -hmm. but then once he kind of, you know, becomes a public enemy, uh, it's, you know, it's more about, um, the, the quote, like good guys, like commissioner Gordon, uh, uh, Barbara Gordon as Batgirl and, and, uh, uh, Dick as Nightwing 
are, you know, they're more characterized than, than Batman at that point. He's kind mm-hmm. of, he's kind of just a brute. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, well, let's jump in. Oh, go yeah, ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say exactly what you were going to say. We should probably jump into the story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause there's so much, I mean, and I'll keep gushing about the art as we go. Cause it just, it really, it is one of my favorite drawn books I think ever. Oh yeah. Um, totally agree. But it's the story starts off with, uh, like you said, there was this this chase. But before that, the mm-hmm. opening scene, we find Arkham Asylum and Batman's in a cell, and he is visited by uh, you know a, a gentleman, you know, like a city official, flanked by some other people. Find out that that city official is Jack Napier, who is completely normal, no makeup. He's not the Joker. He's got you know just regular hair. He's he's a, he's been elected in some way, shape, or form. It's not clear as to why, and he's confronting Batman, who's now chained up in Arkham, and it's it just that sort of tease this whole this whole dynamic up. You you Im- immediately want to go. How did this happen? How did we get to this point? Yeah. And it does that thing. And some people call this lazy when it's like you know four weeks earlier, um, but <laughs> it works so well here because you immediately you're stuck with that in your mind. Like okay, that's where we're headed. Somehow the Joker turns good and is elected an official of Gotham and Batman's in jail. Like what the hell happened? And then we cut to that scene that you describe where Batman's chasing the Joker um, through Gotham. You know, and the Joker's. I think he's on a scooter. Or a motor- on, oh my god he's on a hoverboard hoverboard okay and he's you know <laughs> he's going crazy complete disregard for any property anything and they eventually eventually batman corners him and i, I is it like a drug manufacturing plant yeah um and well, then he- or it's just some kind of warehousey place yeah i think it's i think maybe it is called a a drug uh not a, a like a pharmaceutical drug warehouse yeah right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 they fight and they scuffle, and it, it's it's clear that Batman has finally had enough, and he ends up stuffing a ton of pills down the Joker's throat, and just keeps and like everybody's kind of watching, like he's you know I think is the news there at that point, you know Commissioner Gordon's there watching, everybody's kind of seeing it happen, and you think that oh god he's gonna kill him, he's gonna kill the Joker because he's he's finally had enough, he's stuffing all this down his throat. Lo and behold, the combination of drugs that he stuffs down the Joker's throat actually helps rep- uh, repress the Joker personality and allows Jack Napier to be, you know, c- come forward again. Um, and it's not clear how long Jack has been repressed. Or, and it, you get the sense that it's kind of a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of situation. Yeah. And that, again, that just that aspect is really cool. I don't think we've seen, I know it's been done before here and there, but we haven't really seen a whole story dedicated to the Joker fighting this duality inside of him. Um, yeah, and, and, and treating like two different guys. Yeah. Physically too. Like he just transforms. Like you mentioned in that opening scene where he opens the cell at Arkham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a cleaned up official. Yeah. But there's just a way that uh, Murphy draws it where it's like, yeah, you can see the shape of Joker's face. Um, and, and what I was not aware of till I, till I Wikipedia this um, was that uh, I, I guess that Jack Napier name uh, originates from the first Tim Burton Batman. Yep. Yep. Um, and so you, and there was uh, one of uh, sidebar. One of the really great things about this is um, it, it, it's, it feels like it's kind of a side story of Batman. Like, I don't know if they're going to intersect this into the Canon. We will talk about a, a couple of events that will, you know, I don't know if that those are now in the current Canon or not. Um, but uh, it, it was very respectful to a bunch of Batman history. You oh, know, totally. it's like a, um, so that that Jack Napier reference and like all the Batmobiles, there's a whole bunch of Batmobiles that are all like, you know, the <laughs> whatever you want to call it, like the garage full of Batmobiles that are from every TV show. And oh, movie it's, and former it's, comic. Yeah. 
and let me say this too, because this I want to get this out of the way now. I as I was reading through this, it occurred to me the best Batman stories, at least my favorite ones, but I'm gonna argue the best Batman stories are always third act stories. You know, like the when you when you pick up an ongoing series of a comic, you're always it's almost always second act, right? Especially ones that are, you know, like hmm. the, the big two. So you have that original story, but then everything else after that is second act, second act for 40, 50 years, second act. <laughs> And it's rare that we get a third act because when there's a third act, then that means the story's over. Hmm. So, you know, Dark Knight Returns, third act story. Killing Joke, third act story. This one, third act story. Um, Spoilers, spoilers, at the very end, Batman basically, it's not, he doesn't, it's not definitively clear that he's done being Batman, but he makes a pretty major move that you could, you could consider the conclusion of him as a character. Yeah. Um, and just the way everything kind of wraps up and tidies up, you think, oh my God, this could easily be the last Batman story. Yeah. And so I, I just, I, which is a reveal. I mean, we, that, that I don't think is too much of a spoiler to, to give on it, you know, the right. No, no. I mean, and, and like, <laughs> it's, it's not anything we haven't seen before, but just the whole, the whole arc kind of exists as a third act. You yeah. know, like it's clear that these guys have been fighting for years and years and years, but it's alluded to that Batman's, you know, close to retirement anyway. He's, he's kind of at his, you know, his wits end. And a lot of that, you know, just sort of fuels his, his irrationality throughout the yeah. story. You know, he makes a lot of dumb decisions or at least they seem dumb at first. And then you find out later on some of them might have been calculated, but he just has like, he's really pissing off everybody around him. And you kind of feel like, yeah. oh, this might be the last adventure he goes on like this might be his his moby dick you know <laughs> one of, one of my favorite things is in that opening scene of the chase uh nightwing has to show up on his motorcycle and like rescue the civilian that's you know thrown out of the way like of the batmobile um and uh he he makes a snide comment to <clears throat> to batman about like you you know you're not caring for people if you got the 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 pedal on the floor the whole time uh you're being too careless and he says uh to Batgirl, like you got to rein him in. And then the Batgirl has this great line where she goes, "Dude, he doesn't listen," <laughs> <laughs> which I liked just as it, like, "Oh yeah, okay, we're we're talking like that." Yeah, and, it, and <laughs> it's so like, you know, you could read this if you haven't ever read a Batman story before. You could read this and enjoy it, but it definitely oh, yeah. rewards people who are familiar with canon. Um, yeah, especially as you get closer and closer to the end. There's a lot of really cool moments that. Um, even for someone like me, who is a you know a casual fan, I'm not like the yeah. hardcore Batman fan, but I love you know when done correctly, I really love that character in that world. But there's a so, lot of moments that are just like, oh, they did it, they pulled it yeah, off. And I, I get, we should probably get a little bit more into the plot, which is uh, yeah. just in general terms, which is so so Jack comes out of this uh, you know transformation of the Joker, but then he's he's basically more or less like addicted to the pills. They don't. Um, uh, he's not cured once and for all. He has to continue taking these pills. So he's kind of like on the edge. And then, um, you know, what I also found from reading some of the like origins of the story were that, uh, you know, Sean Murphy's um, theme about the role reversal was, well, we can't just make Joker like a superhero mm-hmm. um, and no one's going to accept him as a cop. So how will he become a crime fighter and Gotham's white knight? And the answer is he becomes a politician. Mm-hmm. And so he starts uh, this um, it, it, like a campaign in coordination with uh, Duke and uh, from Backport, I believe is what they're talking about, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and they, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, through that way, they are, <laughs> they're rehabilitating Joker as uh, Jack Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you want to take it from there on this next note we got? <laughs> well, and Jack Napier too, before I get to that, um, he's, he's not just immediately like all good. He right, still right. has huge moral gray areas and he's working through those and wrestling through those. And sometimes he makes really good decisions as Jack Napier. And sometimes he makes terrible ones and he's constantly kind of wrestling through that. But the, the, the angel on his shoulder, and this was, this happened, I think I'm pretty sure this was issue one. Yeah. Um, Cause this was also, sort of shocking, but really satisfying when the story starts off, he's with Harley Quinn and it's a Harley Quinn who looks just like, um, you know, the Margot Robbie suicide squad version of Harley Quinn. Yep. You know, she's got the ponytails and everything after, after that kind of first opening adventure, he's back as Jack Napier and the original Harley Quinn shows up the one in the sort of the, the, the playing card outfit. And you realize that she was the original one. This other one was a new one who came along later. And so Harleen Quinzel coexists with this newer younger you know sort of hotter hipster harley you know harley quinn and she the you know og harley kicks out the new one and basically takes off her costume and shows jack you know that she can be normal too and she's always wanted this yeah and she becomes sort of like she and jack have you strike up a new relationship a healthy relationship like it's kind of cute you really start rooting for these this couple you're like oh my god i never thought i'd want to see this and then she kind of functions as the angel on his shoulder um, for the most part, every once in a while, she sort of, she, you know, can't help herself, but like, she's, she's legitimately wanting him to be good. And she's, you know, helping kind of advise him on what to do to, to be respected in, in Gotham's eyes and, 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 you know, kind of what the steps he has to make. So that's, it's really cool to see that pair really function, you know, in the right way for once and really actually achieve a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. And so then the, uh, the new in you new Harley Quinn, um, uh, she goes off and sort of with the rogues gallery, um, plots this whole thing to take down the city. Um, but as, as you noted in our, in our notes, uh, just, you know, for us was that, uh, it's, it's kind of sidelined. It's kind of like the background noise. Like that's the, uh, you know, motivating action for a lot of the scenes. Like they're having to combat this newer Harley Quinn, um, with this whole rogues gallery of like Clayface and Penguin and all these people. Well, they um, did a really they did a really smart thing by taking the entire rogues gallery and basically making zombies out of them. Um, yep. Spoilers, and from this point on, there will probably be fair to decent spoilers. But um, one well, of the I don't think we should spoil anything for the. Let's not. <laughs> well, I, it is important to say kind of how like it, it, through and really clever way. Uh, new Har- new Harley Quinn, who who becomes basically she gets mad that Joker is Jack Napier, so she takes on this neo Joker yeah. persona. Oh yeah, and, I don't think that's a spoiler. <laughs> and in doing so, she finds a really clever way to subdue all of the other rogues, getting you know, all the members of the rogues gallery, so yeah. Riddler, Clayface, Two Face, all, all of them. Um, except for Mad Hatter, which is a clue. They find a way to, to, yeah. si- to subdue them all. So they're basically zombies for her own, uh, in, in her own army. And it was a really good decision because it keeps them all out of the way of this. And it makes it just about Batman and the Joker and then the two Harleys. Yeah. And it's like, if you had these other characters around, you'd always be wondering, well, why, why isn't Penguin trying to take advantage of this situation? Exactly. Why, you know, like, why is, you know, because it's got to, you've got to build enough time for Jack and Batman's um dynamic to build out and play out over the course of eight books and you really need all those other characters out of the way well one character who doesn't get out of the way who's really also satisfying was victor freeze yeah we find that he's actually a good guy now um and there's a lot of cool things that he's involved with too 
Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, uh, also that happens, you know, what we see of, uh, of Victor in the first issue, I think we can say without spoilers, which is he is assisting Batman mm-hmm. um, uh, with, uh, we don't ever really find this out, but Alfred is uh, like medically in bad shape. Mm-hmm. So Victor is assisting Bruce with this uh, um, technology, you know, the freeze technology. He has McGregor syndrome. <laughs> Yeah, to keep. Uh, <laughs> to he keep, doesn't, uh, but it's, it's very similar. It reminded me a lot of that scene in that in the terrible George Clooney Batman, where um, oh god, they had to get the cure from from Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mister Freeze, to give to Alfred because he had this crazy. Oh man, I didn't even know that. Your system, yeah. I, man, I've never system. never watched that movie. Um, but we well, I've I've watched the first ten minutes. <laughs> Nor do you need to. It's I not know. one that you you don't. It, it, no one should ever convince you. You should have to go back and watch that to to you know make sure you feel like you're caught up. Like it just you right. don't. If you do, you're just going to be angry. Yeah. Like, just, just skip it. Well, but it's another kind of callback to that, I think. And it was also to me a little bit of a red herring because we do find out that Victor Freeze, like his father or grandfather or something, has these connections to Bruce's father. And so I, I kind of thought like, oh, is you know, is this where the story is going? But it's, it's just more like character building, you know. And and some things come out of that uh, medical issue with Alfred and stuff, but it doesn't. Um, that's not the main thrust of the story. It really is about this role reversal between Joker and Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, w- one one detail we need to bring up is that the Joker learns about, or sorry, Jack Napier learns about the existence of this thing called the Batman Disaster Fund mm-hmm. that Gotham has, which basically is this, am- you know, it is the amount of money that Gotham has spent uh, repairing the destruction that Batman has done, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, you know, just, (laughs) just because of my profession, I think it's really cool that the, the Jack Napier uses data to explain why Batman (laughs) is a bad superhero. (laughs) Yeah. He, he busts, he goes into the books, the accounting books. And it's like, wait a second, where's all this money going from? And it's a lot of money. It's like several millions of dollars that Gotham is fronting to basically clean up after Batman. And it's once it's exposed, you know, Jim Gordon's implicated because Gordon signed off on it. Yep. Um, all the regular citizenry are like, whoa, wait a second. And Jack successfully flips it into a really core political issue for his campaign. It's like, look, this money could be going to other things like libraries and, you know, youth hostels and all, all the stuff that would really, truly help. You know, they make, they tie it back to back. Is it backwater or backport? Backport. Backport. They tie it back to back. Back to backport, yeah, um, pretty pretty successfully, and just they you you feel like if Batman weren't involved, this would still be a really compelling story about you know city crime and you know public officials and money, and this could just be a really cool little indie comic on image somewhere, you know. Yeah, I I mean to me this it was so great. I mean, I was just hooked in issue one um, because it told this story that I've wanted to see from Bat in a Batman comic for a long time, which is there are so many books where Batman is just a bully, mm-hmm. you know, and he is, and that seems to have been the the thing, probably not in the long standing, like long running canon of it, but in a lot of those side stories, um, I think specifically of like um, Frank Miller's all-star Batman and Robin, where mm-hmm. he's just brutally beating the shit out of people. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, tough. you know, this is like, he, there needs to be a moderating uh, force in his life. And, and it's, it's also this really weird thing to me that like Batman has this, uh, 
you know, uh, rule for himself of like, I won't kill, but he will just beat someone. <laughs> yeah. You know, 90% of the way to death. <laughs> um, and, and it was really cool to see Batgirl and Nightwing as those moderating elements and Gordon trying to navigate this sort of, I mean, I, I really got that feel like Gordon's in a tricky political situation here because yeah. he did know of the existence of the Batman disaster fund. He's, just sort of known as, you know, Batman's contact on the police force. Um, but he has to respect the legitimacy of Jack Napier once he's elected to that office or whatever. And, um, uh, you know, it, that was, that was a cool, uh, you know, tension to, to watch work out. But it wasn't, and it, but they didn't just rush into it. Like everything in this book took exactly as long as it needed to. You know, Gordon wrestled with the decision to, you know, whether or not to trust Batman on this whole thing, like numerous times. Like he kept giving him the benefit of the doubt, even yeah. past issue three or four. And then finally, I forget what it was that finally put him over the edge, but he finally uh, realized what Jack was saying. It's like, yeah. And then I think Gordon was actually the last person to turn on Batman to the point where like everybody was against him. Um, yeah about halfway through this book, which is like kind of gets us back to that very beginning panel, which is how does Batman get into Arkham? He basically intentionally blows the trust of every one of his friends. Yeah. <laughs> and like nobody trusts him anymore. And Jack is just kind of, you know, and, and everybody's, you know, B Batman's constantly saying like, you know, look, he's still the Joker. He's not good. This is just a big trick. And he's constant, you know, he believes that so deeply he's willing to do anything to, to, to prove that Jack, you know, he's, he's not only convincing, um, you know, Batman's allies, uh, you know, uh, Barbara and, uh, and Dick and, and, and everybody else on the force, even Bullock, but he's also convincing us, the reader, like yeah. Jack Napier has to convince us that he's, you know, as we're reading along that he's changed too, and that there's some hope for him and dang it all. He, by that halfway point, he'd done some shitty things, but I'm kind of like, dang, I'm sort of rooting for him now. Yeah. Like you want him to succeed. It's, they give you these really cool moments um, you know, in between the action where it's, where it's, um, uh, Jack and Harleen and it's just them, you know, like ha you know, just yeah. them in the bedroom. Maybe they just, you know, got it on or something and they just went on a date together or it's, you know, them just talking. And it's like these really sweet little intimate moments where you get to see these two people who've had just, you know, this nightmare past trying to do good, trying to be better. And like, you know, legitimately showing us the readers that this isn't just a, an act, you know, they, yeah. Jack really does want to be more. So like that did a lot to, to really win me over to his side. So by the ending, you're it's, it's really satisfying when everything kind of gets sorted out again, like yeah. where every character ends up. And it, it just, it, it felt like it took exactly the right amount of time to get them there. Yeah. And I, Oh, you're, you're totally right. Because this could have been told in like three or four issues. If we were just looking at sort of like the, the main action of Batman and Joker's switching roles in that way. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was drawn out just the right amount to give us all those little character moments. Um, and meanwhile, to have this, you know, like I said, there's the, there's the thread of Alfred and Victor freeze. And, um, and then there's the thread of Neo Joker and her rogues gallery. And if, so they are, of course, uh, then there's this also thing, you know, I guess in the midst of that, as you were saying, um, when Joe, when uh, Gordon finally turns on Batman, it's uh, there's sort of a mandate from above that like the bat family register with the police and become part of this like Gotham city tactical unit. Mm -hmm. um, and so they start wearing, you know, some police identifiers. That was a really cool point too, you know? And, um, and then it's, it's leading up to uh, this big background, uh, you know, attack, I guess from mm -hmm. Neo Joker and her rogues gallery. And that's when, 
uh, we have to get the, the whole team back together to resolve mm-hmm. this. <laughs> well, let me point out too, real quick. Neo Joker's motivations are really cool too. She's not, mm. she doesn't want power. She wants Joker back. Right. She's trying to do everything she can to, to either provoke him out, you know, to basically provoke him out. And remember, it's like a, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. You know, Napier's trying to keep the Joker stuffed down. And he's, yeah. you know, he mentions a few times, he's like, he's truly scared of the Joker coming back. He doesn't think, you know, kind of like, reminding me of, of um, uh, Bruce Banner and Thor Ragnarok when he's yeah. talking to Thor. And he's like, look, if I turn into the Hulk again, I may never come back. Yeah. And it sort of had that same kind of feel where he's like, I, I, I have a chance to do good if I let the Joker back. I, I may not ever, you may never see me again. And then new Neo Joker slash new Harley is, um, you know, she's doing everything she can. So she feels like she brings every, she, she tries a couple of smaller sort of attacks slash, um, you know, like moves to, yeah. to, you know, provoke him out. And then she, she basically puts all the cards on the table and, and does this, you know, this big gambit where she takes the entire rogues gallery and, uh, you know, unleashes them onto Gotham. And it's, it's in her mind, she's like, if this doesn't get him out, nothing will. Um, yeah, so I love, I just love that. That's her motivation. It's not, it's, she doesn't want to be the new Joker be, just cause like she's doing it just to get him, her, her love back. She loves the guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And towards your point about Hulk, like that's a great, that's a great comparison because we do see through the course of this a couple of times where like, Joker sort of slips out. Yeah. Especially near the end. And so there is this, like, like you said, we're kind of rooting for him. Like you're rooting for Jack and yeah, and yeah. You're, there's definitely a, a, a feeling of tension of, you know, what's going to happen in this last issue. I really felt that building up to it, you know? So, yeah. Um, Did you know it was going to be eight issues come, going into it? <laughs> you know, that's funny because I had a note to uh, talk about that with you. I did not. In fact, I thought it was going to be six. Mm. And then t- tonight when I was gathering up all the issues to spread on my desk for this episode, I noticed they all say three of eight, four mm. of eight. <laughs> so, ah, uh, just not observant in that way. Well, I didn't um, notice it either. And it was, it was funny, like this last issue, I downloaded it and I, I, I didn't even like at no time did I look and go, Oh, this is the last one. I literally, I finished the issue and went, Oh shoot, it's done. Like, yeah. This is it. <laughs> so I, it was, it yeah. was uh, kind of strange and satisfying because a, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to triangulate the ending going, okay, they have one issue left. How are they going to do it? Right. I was kind of just enjoying the ride as it was happening. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. did know after seven, I knew that the next issue was the last one. So I I was waiting for this to wrap up last week, you know? Um, But yeah, it was, I'm, I'm kind of curious how they're going to do a trade paperback or, you know, like a a hardcover version of this because generally, uh, you know, Marvel and DC only put like five issues together to make a trade paperback. So if we've got eight, we're looking at like kind of a jumbo size trade paperback, um, which seems really really cool to me for a you know for a batman story well so, and i'll probably have all kinds of you know bonus features and you know director's so. commentary and all that kind of stuff too it'll it when it come, finally comes out in hardcover right now amazon is showing october of this year for the trade paperback to come out which is mm. far too long to wait like they should have had that ready to go when this last issue pop oh, that would have been yeah that would have been hard for me to decide on like do i want to keep i want to have all the single issues you know i already feel this this sense of uh in incompleteness because i don't have one in paperback i have it on comixology well um, it wasn't watchman like 12 issues you know and now we only we only think exactly. of it in, in the terms of like the collected uh volume exactly and and one of my favorite batman stories ever the long halloween i believe that was 12 issues too oh 
Um, so uh, yeah, it's not unheard of to do anything like that. I mean, this is, to me, I just can't, the thing is like all those classic Batman stories, I wasn't in on from the beginning, you know, yeah. it was like I waited for the collection. Um, yeah, I read DK three from the beginning, but I wouldn't put that up there in the canon of classic Batman. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> that one was. But this one felt like like what I think you alluded to at the beginning was as soon as you know, whenever this trade comes out, uh, I'm going to get a copy of it and it's going to go on the shelf next to Hush and yeah. Dark Returns and uh, Long Halloween. You know, you know, Hush just kind of put a big dent in my third every third act story is the best Batman story because Hush was that was not conclusive. That was just a really good story about that moment in time if i recall it's been a while since i read it but that that's much much lauded as one of the best batman stories ever and it's definitely not a, a third act story oh correct that, me if i'm wrong if you're listening you're like no 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 it is yeah please let us know because I, I may be that may be apocryphal in, in saying that but i'm pretty sure it's just a regular you know in in the in the continuity of the time it's not like you know nothing happens that's definitive I, right right i yeah i don't think it was a side story in that way yeah that, yeah like a like a <laughs> um non non canonical one of the things uh you had mentioned in the notes is just the batgirl nightwing gordon dynamic and we talked a little bit about it you know it's it's those are the three as each one of them falls um to sort of napier's charm or logic it's it's just one more you can like batman takes it very very hard and one of the things they do is when they all they all join the 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 gcpd um, in an official capacity, of course, Bruce does not, and they all build their own little bat, you know, kind of Batmobiles. But they're not really Batmobiles. It's like you know a souped-up Tonka truck. You know, it's like it's got you know a better engine, maybe maybe some bulletproof armor, but they don't look like Batmobiles. This changes though at the very end. There is this amazing moment when everybody's on the same page again, and Batman. He, he kind of makes a comment because I think the entire book, they're always saying like, look, you have all this technology. You have yeah. all these tools. You could have shared it at any time and you haven't. That's a problem. And so at the very end, he kind of, he, he agrees. He's like, look, you're all going to get a Batmobile. And that, not only that, they go back into like the Tim, the, um, sorry, the Adam West Batmobile. Every yeah. single Batmobile is represented. The Christian Bale Batmobile is represented. Every yeah. one of them is there. So that was just really cool to see all that pulled in canon in this story. Yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> While you were saying that, I was flipping back through one of the issues to try to find that scene, but I, I was not in the issue I picked up. Um, and I landed right on the scene where there's this really physical fight between Batman and Jack, mm. where Jack is uh, like shirtless. And it's like during the fight, you know, his hair is no longer slicked back and it'll mm -hmm. sort of a, you know, caught in the middle of the action where his hair is standing out and, and you can see the shape of his face and his hair being a little crazy like that. Like that's the Joker, even though he doesn't have any of the makeup on or anything. And he's angry because he's in this fight. And it's just such a smart way through the art to like, you know, have these hints of him like of the Joker slipping out in those moments. Oh, the, the, the another trick like that, that they would do is um, when he's the Joker, he has like two different colored eyes, like a green one, yeah. and a purple one. Um, and then sometimes when he's like flinching like that, like the yeah. hair will be a little disheveled, but the eyes will have switched. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, again, it's just, they did such a great, I love the concept of yeah. him wrestling with this other persona. Um, it just, it's, it was handled so well and it didn't feel, I mean, even though we've seen it in other stories, 
with other characters. It just felt so organic to the Jack Joker thing to the point where I would love to see an entire five years of run where that's the case. We're like, you know, they maybe they need to bust him out of Arkham and he, you know, they, he's able to become Jack again for a little while to help them do, you know, solve something. And that's, I just, that could be such a really cool, like that gave the Joker a whole new dimension to me that I, I never knew I wanted. And now I don't want to see him portrayed any other way. You know, like I just, when they talk about this and I don't know if it's still Joaquin Phoenix in this potential Joker movie that Scorsese producing, but I, I don't even care what they're writing. They just need to adapt this story because this is like the best Joker story you're going to get. It's the best Batman story you're going to get in my opinion, because it shows Batman and it, it shows him facing consequences for his actions. It shows him actually, there's a lot of really good detective work, being done and some of it was kind of like sherlock holmes where he he doesn't reveal what he knows until the end and you're like oh man he knew this entire time he did this to get here to get this information to get this like that was really cool because you don't you don't see a lot of the detective work done these days you know it's a lot of it a lot of it's just like sort of the flourishes of being a superhero i I really like it when they ground him in that detective mode because that's you know that's when he's at his best when he's deducing things and figuring things out and showing that he's always one step ahead of you uh-huh. I agree. And along those lines, it's a phenomenal Harley Quinn story. Like yes, who, thank you. who knew that I would give a crap about Harley Quinn. Um, but when you get her out of that one dimensional mold of uh, uh, what is she called? Joker all the time where she's like, Mr. J. Yeah. Like, that yeah. is so aggravating and frustrating, you know, yeah. and um, yeah. to me. And so seeing her like have three dimensions and, you know, take the costume off and work with Batman and the police. And like, it was, I mean, that was cool like that. Well, and they were able to kind of cheat a little bit too and give you like, you know, by having two Harleys, which right. I don't know. Is this the first time they've ever acknowledged that there are two Harleys I, in the Batman universe? I don't know. So I don't know if that's like, if, if they're uh, also, that's one of those things where um, I don't know if that becomes canon because of this, or if it was canon before this and he wrote it in, but it was definitely a neat move. It needs to be canon now. And if this is the first time it's happened, he's a bloody genius because yeah. it gives you, it, it, it clarifies that weird transition between original you know, yep. OG Harley and like new wave Harley. It's like, Oh, that's because she's a new person. But it also, to your point, it lets OG Harley try on a couple different, you know, lent, you know, shades uh, you know, of, of character. And it also juxtaposes that with, you know, kind of the crazy psychotic Harley that still exists in the yeah. you know, new Harley slash Neo Joker. So it really gives you this really well-rounded look at her as a character. And she's got so much agency. That's the best part. She's not just, oh, yeah. point, she's not just the Mr. J sidekick. She's like, she's complex and she's smart and she might even be smarter than Jack. You know, by the time we get to the end, it's clear that she's very much a well-developed character in her own right. Yeah. So it's it's just like that was really fulfilling to see. Just all of it. God, so much of it was so so well done, and the fact that he wrote and drew it, I just and was able to do it consistently. You know, yeah. pop, pop that thing out once a month was just really delightful. Sorry, we're just we've been we've been waiting on this episode for a while, and I, I was worried it would just become a big gush fest. <laughs> well, I, but it's deserved. I, I'll tell you one one thing that's to go right back to where we started. One thing that's really neat about the fact that you collected this on Comicsology is that anyone listening to this can just go collect it on Comicsology, which is not exactly the position I'm in, where I want the paper like floppy editions of it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, it's it's actually pretty easy to go back and read the whole thing right now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's on Comicsology Unlimited because that would totally make it worth it. Can I <laughs> let me ask you about this? And this may be too spoilery too, but that last scene between Batman and Gordon. Um, one of the reasons I 
it was a very conclusive scene, but I love it because it sort of it mirrors. I don't know if you how much you know about the you know the original Batman stories that appeared in Detective Comics, right. but the original original Batman story starts with Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon talking. And this is before you know that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Like it starts with those two guys. It cuts you in on Batman at the very end of the story. It shows you that this young, you know, effete millionaire is actually the Batman. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the big reveal at the end of the first book. So I love that this, that this story pretty much ends. No, it does end. The very last scene is Bruce and Gordon talking. Well, Batman and Gordon talking and Batman revealing some pretty big information. And just that that book ending of it, again, makes it, it it's a third act story, but the fact that he's tying it back to Detective Comics number one, um, or whatever the Batman, the, whatever that issue was. Um, yeah. that well, just, it's such a beautiful, just, it's, it's, it serves the story, but it also serves the history of the character. It serves the, you know, the fans who know these little things. Just really, really well done. Yeah, that's I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's a cool perspective to look at that scene because it actually um, uh, there's sort of there are sort of several wrap ups at the end of this. Yeah. And so when that happens in the middle of it, I'm I was probably not as affected by that um, scene as the one preceding it and following it. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's cool to hear that it was so affecting to you and especially for that history of it, because that. Yeah, that really puts it in in its right historical perspective, you know. Totally, <laughs> that's the way we should be looking at it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, very, um, yeah. This <laughs> there's we could go another hour, but I feel like we'd have to spoil so much of it. I know, we're, yeah, and we're, we spoiled some, but nothing. I mean, just no. bigger, broader themes, and this is definitely like read this because there are layers and nuances that will just be delicious to devour. You know, it's you just know, like there's so much for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when you said layers, I was thinking, you know, one of the really interesting things about this, you also brought it up when you said it's like a detective story is it actually has every man. You might be right. This might be the best bat Batman book. <laughs> See, it's because hard to deny. It's hard to it deny. does have every uh, element of Batman stories. It has the huge villain fight at the end. Mm-hmm you know, with the full rogues gallery done also for the first time in a way that I felt like, Hey, that's cool that they're all together because of the, the, the thing that we won't spoil um, that, you know, where uh, they're sort of zombies. Um, And uh, it it also has a detective element, which, you know, which runs through it, but then uh, it gets revealed at the end. It has that bat family element, you know, for Alfred to Barbara, to Dick, to, to Gordon. Like it's all, sort of oh man it really does have everything you know there's a there's a beautiful scene triggered by a letter that bruce gets yeah and that letter and this is towards the end and that letter basically reminds him that hey look you've got this family don't yeah. kind of like in the doctor who does this a few times too where the doctor is constantly reminded like hey y- when you're by yourself, you go a little crazy. You need these people around you. They help balance you out. You know, they give you something to care about and, and strive for. Like, don't don't forget that. Yeah. And just the way that was delivered was just really beautiful too. It just so many those wrap ups were just so well done. And just like you kind yeah. of felt like, shoot, this could be the very last Batman story ever, and it would work because it all <laughs> tidies up so nicely. You could you could see Dick. Uh, and Barbara go on to, you know, to, for more adventures. If you wanted to, you could see, you know, yeah. other stories with the Batman and Joker that could occur down the road. You know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't read this and the killing joke in the same 
breath, they're they they are two different dimensions, yeah, uh, two different realities. So it's that's never and same thing goes with Dark Knight Returns. But God, all three of those books are third acts, and it just pick yeah. and and all of them are good for various reasons. But this one, I just something about this one, every element of it just really freaking worked for me. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so yeah, that is Batman White Knight by Sean Murphy. I don't know that we can say anything else about it. Uh, go get it <laughs> wherever. Uh, wait till October or uh, read it on Comics All. Get it now. Right now. Get yeah. it again in October. Don't wait till October <laughs> to read it. Get it. Pick it up again and collect it because you're going to want. This will be one that you will that collectors will want to have as as part of their definitive library for years and years and years. Yeah, and we'll we'll probably end up talking about it in like ten more podcasts. So, <laughs> one thing about I mean, at some point we will quick. not be able. Not to spoil it. <laughs> I know, but think about that real quick. Like you mentioned this earlier, like you weren't around when Dark Knight Returns came out, or you weren't, you know, you weren't buying the issues, you know, yeah. every month or every week. Um, it's kind of cool to finally be around from the beginning to the end of a series like this that will be most likely very well renowned for years to come. It's like, wow, I was there. I don't I don't yeah. have to come along later and be like, oh, what was it like to have been there like waiting for each month's chapter to come out? Like we know, like we got to experience it. I think, you know, I was going to ask you, but I'll actually turn this into a statement. Um, I, one of the really interesting things about this is I didn't feel any fear while reading it that they that he wasn't going to do the story right. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like however this wraps up, it, it, like I already trust this, you know, this creative team. Like I agree the right way. Whereas I agree. I think sometimes we get into those, those arcs and it's sort of like you get three or four issues in and you're like, Oh man, where is this? Going? <clears throat> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Before Watchmen. Oh, um, but, I will argue with you on before Watchmen, but doomsday clock is, I don't know where the hell that's going. I don't, it, I, I had to stop reading it. Cause I'm like, I don't know when this is going to end, but I need, I need an assurance that it will end in a way that's satisfying. You're so right. This one from issue one, I'm like, I don't even care where this ends or where this goes. I'm loving the ride. Like yeah. I love the ride. And it's so, I mean, you, you know me, I usually have to skip to the end to, to feel like, okay, <laughs> this will be worth my time. You know, like, and this is the first time in a long time with any story and any medium that I'm like, man, I don't care. This could go on 20 more issues. Mm-hmm. I trust him. Yeah. Whatever he wants to do. Highest praise we can give this book. Go get it. Uh, Taylor, while people are driving to uh, that comic book shop on their phones called Comixology, where can they find this podcast? You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, and wherever podcasts are found. You can also find us online. Uh, we have a big old website for all our shows called findusthere.org. Um, it's also find us there on Twitter and SoundCloud uh, as well. We, we occasionally put up new episodes on SoundCloud too, but definitely look for us wherever our podcasts are. Uh, search for Coffee and Comics with Todd and Taylor, and you will find us on all those services. Yes, and until next week when we will have another Coffee and Comics, uh, we've been Todd and Taylor. We'll see you later. Bye. Happy reading. Bye.